Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness but mostly just wallow in mediocrity with your hosts, Mike Borkfeld and Greg Cerventi. Yo, morning, afternoon, evening, evening, um, uh, hello, hi, this is, uh, <laughs> Mike, uh, talking here with my friend Craig. Hi, Craig. Hey, Mike. And we're on a podcast called Verging on Greatness. Um, it is uh, a little bit different today because it's the morning for me and I am tired. <laughs> I've just woken up. <laughs> Normally it's the evening for me and, and morning for Craig because uh, he's, he's in the UK and I'm in, I'm in old New Zealand on the other side of the world. Um, and I have I have kids who wake me up in the morning, and I usually need to attend to. But we're switching it up, uh, switching it up today. Um, and I'm feeling feeling a little rough. Uh, and Craig's uh, which which Craig's means I can drink. Yeah, Craig's <laughs> Craig's 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 in the Craig's in the house. Yeah, <laughs> I'm under, I'm under normally the, I'm under the normally couch. Mike can have a beer or two, and I'm drinking coffee. But today, Mike's on the coffee. And I've got a drink or two. Yeah. So, so if this, if the, if the dynamics seems to have switched a little bit between, yeah, if this sounds a bit more loose. Craig and Mike. That's, uh, yeah, that's the reason why. But hey, we're um, so this is a a, a podcast where we we talk about a movie that is um, you know, it's it's up there in quality, uh, pretty high, pretty, but there's something something not quite right when you walk out of the cinema. Yeah. You're just not sure what's you know we're trying just try and pick apart what that is we do we have a little off have in the past veered from nearly great movie into mediocre movie and i think we've gone into i think we've gone into genuinely bad movie podcast territory okay well that that's it everyone thanks for thanks for uh signing in this yeah you could you could spoil the ending you can see where i'm going with this um hey mike a spoiler a spoiler warning next time everybody sorry (laughs) sorry folks the uh the the movie we're talking about today is is empire records um it was rex manning day uh uh, a few weeks ago, April eighth is actually Rex Manning Day. So um, I'm just uh, going to fact check that just real quick. <laughs> yeah, if you um, no, I looked it up. I looked it up just before. Um, so um, that that one of the if you've seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, we're gonna we're gonna spoil the movie. Um, it is it oh, is we're gonna nearly, spoil the fuck out of this movie from 1995. Yeah, um, but if you haven't seen this yet, you weren't going to. It's, yeah, so. it's, it's developed a bit of a cult following, and particularly around one of the one of the one of the uh, kind of main events in the movie is this is is the celebration of Rex Manning Day, which is a you know he's a character in the movie, um, and um, so the cult the cult following the thing to do is watch this movie on the same day of the year as Rex Manning Day is in the movie, which is April eighth. Uh, and then tell everyone on Twitter that you watch this, um, you watch this movie. So um, we're a little, and I mean, we're a little memes. bit late. It's not like, we're, yeah. we're, it's not like we're hitting April 8th for this, but uh, it, oh, this, no. this, it came to our, came to our attention this year. And so we thought we would uh, dive on into Empire Records, which is, is an interesting movie to, it is an interesting movie to talk about. Um, and, and look, there are, there are, as, as far as, you know, by the, by the standard of this podcast, which is, you know, we've always talked about, or we often talk about how, like the 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 quality of a movie should be measured by the degree to which it achieves what the makers set out to make. Like yeah, not everybody. Is... Yeah, if they if they set out to make a sports movie and they made a sports movie that you know underdog triumphs or nearly triumphs at the end, like yeah, not it ev- have to be. It doesn't have to be fantastic. Not everybody is trying to make a best picture winner. Not every, no. Not everybody is trying to make like All Quiet on the Western Front, like something that is really which, intense and brooding. And you which is really intense. You shouldn't measure whichever version you're watching. You shouldn't measure every movie by the degree to which it creates, you know, meaningful cinema. Sometimes a movie is just trying to be light fun, and you can't watch that and think, well, this is garbage. <laughs> Just because it, yeah. that, because that's what it's trying to be. If it achieves what it is trying to be, successful. Does it entertain? Yeah. Do, does it make you feel like you've spent um, a, a unit of, of time, usually an hour and a half to two hours, meaningfully engaged in some story that connects with you on some emotional level 
uh, it doesn't it doesn't need to have an Oscar yeah. win. It doesn't need to have broken a billion dollars at the box office. Uh, one of my favorite films is a B film uh, that very very successfully achieves what it wants to be, um, and it entertains me every time I watch it, and I quote it endlessly. Um, and that that movie was never going to win an Oscar. Oh, you're going to um, have to tell us what uh, it is, Craig. It was it's Army of Darkness. Freaking love that. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Campbell, peak yeah. Bruce Campbell, peak. just like so good naturally um, that is, that is the fantastic. movie is just fires on 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 it well funnily enough it's it's running on four cylinders but it performs like a turbocharged yeah. v8 yeah. <laughs> uh, so it uh <laughs> but th- this movie like not all films need to be you know stupendous yeah. absolutely mind-meltingly great they can just be films and be excellent at them uh but i i think to say that this film has got some interesting things happening in it and it feels like a good movie's in there somewhere, um, but it's it's certainly not delivered on screen. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's fair. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. We're gonna dive into Empire Records. So it's um it's it's 1995, um, and it is it is it is the middle of the 90s, which means it is the absolute pinnacle. And I think this this movie there's no better example of a movie that is is made to sell a soundtrack. This is this oh, is what 100%. you did. This is what you did in the '90s. It is it is right in the middle of the '90s, uh, and and people are flooding. Even if even if they're not flooding to the cinemas, they are definitely flooding to their CD store to and, buy and their, to buy the video soundtrack. Yep. Buy the soundtrack to this movie. So it's um, it's quite funny. Like I don't know how many how many you know millennials or zennials uh, are listening to zennials, millennials, and what's the new one? Zoomers. Um, I don't know how many how many you know post post millennium people are listening to this podcast, but it used to be a real thing. Um, CDs were expensive, tapes mm. were expensive, um, and you used to like going going and buying a record um, or or a CD or or cassette, um, which was a soundtrack to a film that you've watched the film and you liked the songs you heard in the film. You could then go and buy the CD with the songs you liked on the CD. Um, as someone like Mike, Mike is uh, definitely more of an audiophile than I am, um, and had a very and, and in my experience with Mike, he's got a very defined taste in music. I, I for music took me a much longer period of time to get to the point where I was confident walking into a CD store and buying a CD of an artist that I liked without mm. fear of judgment or reprisal. Um, but yeah, buying a movie soundtrack was was a safe bet for your twenty or thirty dollars, whatever it cost to buy a CD in the nineties. It was a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh you know you knew you were going to get a a a a quality element and um i don't know uh, if people's experiences match my own but often you would hear a a good single you liked that band like you weren't familiar you you could only consume music via like uh in new zealand at the very least you had like rtr which was on on a saturday morning um uh, or you were listening to the radio um but you you weren't necessarily hearing a lot of stuff that you wanted to hear or you were hearing your parents' music if you were listening to like one of the older like classic stations or whatever. Um, but yeah, this was a great way to go and hear a bunch of contemporary music and buy an album of contemporary music that was good, that you enjoyed. I think I even have this. I think I have Empire well, I think everyone had this. The, yeah. al- the, the, the album sold exceptionally well. Yeah. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, and, and much better than the movie. So the movie itself was was a real flop, which I, I didn't I didn't oh, know. Yeah. Going uh, like looking looking back, I had no idea that it did quite so badly. Um, oh, the the album the the Empire Records album um, soundtrack peaked at 63 on the Billboard um, 200 album chart. It also uh, was was retroactively given a four out of five stars by AllMusic.com. Mm. Um, so yeah, it did it did very well. Um, yeah, it, so the the movie is is about. I mean, one of the reviews I read said it's about um, a bunch of teens um, trying to save the uh, the record store that they work at from from being overtaken by corporate overlords. Um, and I think that's that's being pretty generous to the movie because nobody does a single damn thing to try and save the movie save the store from being overtaken by corporate overlords until fact, until about the last 15 minutes 15 minutes yeah <laughs> uh, in fact in fact one of the people in the store 
um, while, whilst being given a moment of like uh, managerial responsibility, takes the daily take um, and uh, drives to Vegas yeah. and puts it all on, puts it all on black, <laughs> wins, uh, so doubles doubles his money and then doubles down again and <laughs> loses the lot. Uh, <laughs> so not only does the movie start strong, like, but the, the fun thing is the opening opening ten or fifteen minutes of this movie is actually really good. Like the idea that this guy has taken the take, sp- uh, lost it, um, and turns back up to work. Like this movie with, then gives you the worst bait and switch of all time because it goes from like how are they going to get the the four thousand or two thousand dollars they need back into the till uh, by the end of this film like they they don't they no. um the the movie turns on it turns on a dime at um about the the end of the first act and goes off in a completely different direction yeah the the obvious well the the one that sprang to mind for me to compare is the blues brothers where okay it's you know it's five minutes into the movie they go and visit the penguin um oh. and sh- and she says we need we need five thousand dollars and they're like well we're going to get you five thousand dollars and then they go in here hear james brown sing uh and they and that's the can you see the light movies movies underway the band we're putting the band together yep. and then the rest of the yep. movie is is about every scene is about the the manner in which they are putting the band back together yeah um, but and yeah and and this it, no one does they're all completely i mean and maybe this is a <laughs> reflection of you know how youth was seen in 1995 the problem Gen is X. there yeah the problem yep. is there and they're every, not doing in, anything about it every scene you know um anthony lapelia who is the the boss of the store he is storming around running his running his hands through his luscious locks um he has he has saying, an impressive head of hair yeah i don't i don't know what to do i'm in i'm in i'm in trouble we're all ruined we're all going to be taken over and all of these kids are like gee that sucks yeah. I'm going to put dance on a dance. Party. I'm going to put on a dance track. <laughs> I'm going to try and I'm going to try and have sex with someone. <laughs> um, and then it's only right at the end that sort of like someone says, ooh, ooh, do you think we should do something about this money situation? It's a real like." Oh wait, we've got to finish this film. Yeah. It's, wait, it's, what do we do? It's, it's a real. I've, I've I've got a I've got an essay due on on <laughs> like like the, the end of the month, the thirty first of the month, and it's like I'm going to spend twenty eight days of this month fucking around (laughs) (laughs) fuck if i spent 28 minutes writing an essay it was a long time it's a wonder i didn't make it through school 28 fucking days get out that's the most unrealistic thing about this movie and she's on meth they're all yeah everyone is just completely self-absorbed by their own shit maybe that's what they were going for i don't know maybe Maybe, i don't know i don't know too much credit they were trying to make a statement about but it's really enough gee, it's, a real it's, problem it'll be, over here. yeah it'll be boomers writing stories about what gen x is and like gen x is uh traditionally like the slacker generation yeah like not doing anything so as boomers writing stories about <laughs> teenagers like i i can only imagine what gen x is going to be writing like the equivalent of this movie being written today like how gen x is going to approach zoomers yeah. of today um, there's a real uh, well, so a few months ago i watched don't look up and there's a oh, real yeah, that's a... there's a real don't look up sort of feel where there's like <laughs> there's a the impending doom is th- is there th- is present throughout and it's I'm, I, I i'm looking forward to the jobs the asteroid is gonna yeah. bring how <laughs> like the asteroid is not bringing you jobs how long yeah. could how long can we make a movie about this an <laughs> impend a, like a, an impending threat a clear and present <laughs> threat and a bunch of people doing absolutely nothing about it <laughs> yeah yeah love it I, I i liked i liked um i liked don't look up there's that great joke about the the general who charges them 12 12 dollars or 20 dollars for the free water and snacks oh it's um, it's fantastic and, yeah they're running and then the running um it's so cool jennifer right lawrence is just just forever talking about <laughs> this general that why would he that that? took why would he do that for 16 dollars the, the <laughs> snacks were free <laughs> they were free <laughs> he makes he works in the white house he has plenty of money that's so yeah good. that was good i, love I that like movie. that that joke's great um but yes, so we've got a bunch of we've got a bunch of kids yeah, who let's talk work about, in a record store. Let's, let's talk about who these who these kids are. There's so there's a core cast of six, six who appear on the you know who are on the they're on the cover. They're all the, the beautiful ones who are on the cover. Yes, and then yes. there's another there's another three or four 
employees at the store who they drift in a little bit later in the day and uh, they're involved a bit more tangentially than the, than your core cast. Um, one of them one of them seems to wear a guitar like if, like as a, as a, as a fashion accessory like a, as a fashion like a, accessory like a watch yeah he just, wears, yeah, he just turns just up and he may or may not or... work there yeah yeah it's hard, yeah, it's hard to tell <laughs> it, it's i'm unsure it's hard to tell who works does he there. work there doesn't he work there i don't know oh look they they create they create a vibe you know it's that the office type vibe the the u.s office everything not not the uk office everything about the uk office is depressing but in the u.s office particularly the first Further along you go on they create this vibe that okay this, you know we'd all rather not be at work but if you had to be at work this is a cool enough place to work people everyone's Gosh, kind of yeah. everyone's kind of quirky there are some people there who are dicks but everyone kind of gets along and they like one they of make them the may most or may not it. be the scranton yeah. uh, strangler by the end of it you get a sense hey okay this is this is a place to work that that you know People are people are there and they're quirky and they're bringing their own characters, but we all, they all kind of love each other at their core. Um, it's 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 family. a family. It's a family. Yeah, it's a family. Yeah. <clears throat> um, sorry, I got something in my throat. Um, we'll try and cut was this. it Dominic Toretto we'll try and trying to this. burst out of your throat with a with a with a um, a Corona in one hand and a cross in the other and growl scream family. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. So they 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 do create they create this sort of vibe where I think the I think the vibe you know the the obvious we can't get through this movie without talking about high fidelity uh, is a much more I think a much more accurate depiction of what it's like to work in a record store. Uh, there's a lot less there's a lot less people working with you. Um, they're they're a lot less young and beautiful. Um, and and there's there's a lot less time kind of bustling around making tons of money because the impression you get is that this mo- this record store is busy it's making a lot of money which is count contrary to the what what's actually going on in the story which is that it's failing and it's going to be overtaken yeah. there are a lot more people gonna... in this record store than you would expect for a record store that's failing where in high yeah. fidelity his record there's store three. is not doing very well because there's barely anybody ever in it and so yeah. um you know all of the time a lot of the time is spent with the three dudes who work there talking shit about music um where which, a lot of a lot of the time is genuinely which, spent serving customers in high fidelity yeah, they don't tend and stacking to be, shelves yeah the the, the the girls the girls who work the counter don't tend to be standing there with their fingers up their noses they, they are typically seen serving customers which gives you the impression that there are people there to serve all day yeah um yeah, they they did. So, I did uh, on the Wikipedia page for this movie. They did say that there was more. Like, this, this the, the, obviously they shot a lot more, but a lot of what they left on the floor was people standing around talking shit about music. So, I, I get the impression. Well, I don't get the impression. I read in Wikipedia that they did. They did try and add a bit more of that, but they they cut a lot of the talking. My my favorite part of this film is the sequence that happens at the end um, while the credits roll where Ethan Ethan Embry and oh, I forget the other chat are sitting on the sidewalk and they're they're riffing about a band um, and it, I, it feels improvised is it Primus um, is it Primus but they're riffing about a band um, I and don't remember what they're um, talking about. but they're having a full-on geek out about the band and um, I forget I forget who, but um, I know Ethan Embry is one of them. That's the most genuine part of this film, um, and this yeah. film would have benefited a lot more from having more of that energy in it than the film that they actually made. I actually I did I did watch this movie only last week, but I actually turned it off. I forgot there was a credit scene. I turned it off as soon as the credits started rolling. I forgot. Yeah. Um, I know that's yeah. Nice. That's so I'm, I'm trying that's to recall, the best part of this film. I'm trying to recall yeah. from the original what band they talk about. I have a feeling they mentioned Primus because Primus is one of my favorite bands. Um, maybe they're not talking about Primus. Maybe they're just comparing comparing Primus. Maybe it's Rush or someone like that. I might be able to put. Uh, I'll probably be able to find that clip on YouTube without any hassle whatsoever, and I'll I'll drop it in the links. I'll drop it in yeah, a link nice. for the for the episode, so nice. people can watch the scene. But um yeah that is that is my favorite part of the film that is the one part of the movie there's there's a couple of scenes i remember very vividly from watching this in the 90s um on home video 
Um, uh, and they may or may not be the scenes that feature Liv Tyler for reasons of teenagers, teenage boys, um, every will will appreciate. Um, but, um, <laughs> so, but, so delicately put Craig, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but the other scene I remember vividly was, was them talking after, at the end of the film while the credit rolled, while the, while the credits rolled, um, as that was, um, the most genuine part of the film. Yeah. And arguably, for me, like the film needed watching this as a, as a as a cynical adult needed a lot more of that energy rather than the energy we got. Well, what they what they do they use the the that the setting to more to bridge bridge gaps where they they need a lift in energy, and so instead of people sitting around talking about music, they actually use the setting to inject energy and someone will just out of nowhere put on a, a like a blasting track an there, absolute banger an absolute an absolute banger and there'll be like a dance interlude or a like a, a, a thrash kind of like yep. interlude where the, the guys they, they they do a bit of they have like a mosh scene or it'll be a it'll be a dance sequence a dance se- a dance sequence because at one point they play acdc and one of them is strutting around like um uh, bon Scott um, and I, I said to I said to my wife when I was watching this like uh, he gives me all the all he gives me he, he gives me living Bon Scott energy um, yeah and uh, and I love it like you know I would more more of that like people getting geeky about the music they love rather than whatever we got which was tepid melodrama well it, it becomes a mix right because ha- it's, yeah. it's half of that but then it's, it's bigging up the music that they love and then a lot of it goes into that territory of making fun of making fun of rex manning and that pop the pop sense which i'm fine with like you know you can have um uh, i also i also uh, we were also speculating who they were trying to caricature with rex manning um i said i was getting uh, strong um uh, what's his name? He he sings might as uh, might as well face it. You're addicted to love, and um, um, he's got that music video with the with the women in the dresses. Uh, I I I said it was giving me strong um, vibes of that. I'll have to Google it now. Um, addicted to love. Um, Robert Palmer. Mm, okay. Giving me strong Robert Palmer vibes, uh, but. Uh, uh, if you if you can't think of somebody off the top of your head mm. right now who yeah robert palmer maybe but yeah so they do some it's it's interesting the way they characterize rex yeah rex obviously they're going for rex manning he's he's past his prime uh he's, he's tr- trying to stretch out a career that probably should have ended a little while ago he doesn't have much to offer musically but he's he's popular enough and middle of the road enough that that people will buy his shit if he puts it out um it's 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 interesting i don't think you would like it's, it's something there's a few things in this movie that you wouldn't do now you wouldn't do today one of them is one of them is um you know that that kind of un, just undermine and make make fun of middle of the road music and the people who like it like i think it's it's much less on brand and on trend right now compared to how it was nearly 30 years ago to say oh this this music is middle of the road therefore it is uncool therefore you are a you are a a substandard human being i am now that now that carries a real strong vibe of i am better than you yeah um which and i think people are people are much more inclined to say hey if you like if you like taylor swift or or whatever you do you do you um, if, if you know that's that's all good you like the music that you like and you, you like wear, the music wear you it like. with pride you know you used to talk about like guilty pleasures like oh there's no I such thing i think that's a lot that's a lot less of a thing now it, it de- definitely was the vibe in the 90s though like um cd stores and music stores in general like before spotify and youtube and uh, uh and apple came along and killed the cd store um uh they were they were places where you went to go and get judged for your, for your music <laughs> taste <laughs> and i i legitimately wound up with like 90 90 new zealand dollars which is about a buck 50 uh, us dollars at the time but um, <laughs> i wound up with 90 dollars new zealand uh in in uh, record store vouchers um for one of the many chain brands of record store we had in new zealand at the time i want to say it was sounds maybe um but with a z 
Um, and uh, I went 90s. to the mall. It's the nineties. It is hip and edgy. If it, if it doesn't um, have an extreme, if it doesn't have, it doesn't an, have an X in it, or a Z, wasn't even in the nineties. It's lame. <laughs> it's lame. Uh, but I went in and I bought, I bought, I bought four albums, Mike. I remember it vividly. And there was a there was an attractive young woman working at the counter, and I took up my four CDs that I had bought. I had purchased uh, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, the uh, the double album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Yeah. I'd bought ACDC Ball Breaker. Um, I had picked up um, oh some other reasonably cool a Collective Soul album probably that was very nineties and the Umbop single by Hanson. <laughs> uh, and this this young woman is looking through these CDs. And she's like, oh, this is a really good CD. I have this. I really like this. And she handed me the Umbop single back and said, oh, you picked this up by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> That's, but no, I meant to buy that. And then she just kind of looked at me. She judged me and I was found wanting. That so. scene literally happens in, <laughs> in Empire Records. They do that exact yep. scene with the music that, that Warren, I've got to call him Warren. It's not his real name. Because he, they, he calls, calls himself him Warren. Warren Beatty, right? He gives his, he gives his alias as Warren Beatty. Um, so, there's a, so there's a character who doesn't work at the record store, but he, um, he steals. He's a shoplifter. Um, so after he is caught, he, you know, he's detained, um, in the same room as the kid who stole the money and went, took it to Vegas and gambled it all. But Lucas, but Lucas, Lucas is, is he, Lucas? there is a scene where Lucas has it worn is. up for what he is, the music that he's stolen. He's he trying stole, to steal. Like he, he, he stole he, a lot of rap and metal. Yeah. And what is it? Is he, it he's like taken Celine? a Dr. Dre. Yeah. Yeah. But is it Celine Dion or... Um, Whitney Houston or something. He's he's got might some, be Whitney Houston. He's got a, yeah. a like a diva type CD, and he says, "It's for my it's for my girlfriend." Like yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, like uh, like a young male can't yeah would not be caught dead listening to a Mariah Carey CD. Uh, yeah, Mariah Carey, yeah. someone like that. Yeah, like uh, that would be an affront to his masculinity to like that. And then the the pinnacle, so the the ultimate, which you absolutely would would not do nowadays, um, is um you know when they're they're talking with rex manning's agent again it's lucas because he's he's detained uh, joe the boss orders him not to leave the couch and so he's detained and there's so a whole a bit these, about him not leaving the yeah, couch a lot of these back he, a lot of the he ends up walking around with the couch cushion yeah. and he says i haven't <laughs> left the couch yeah a lot of the backroom conversations revolve around lucas because he's stuck in the back room he's not allowed to leave um, for most of the movie, uh, until he comes up with the ingenious plan of carrying the cushion around, uh, but he, Which is um, pretty good. yeah, so he's in a discussion with um, Rex Manning's agent, and um, Rex Rex Manning's the agent who's Jane, I think is her name. She's trying to convince Played by Debbie Mazar. Yeah, she's trying to convince Lucas that um, Rex Manning uh, is is relatively popular among young males. And oh um, yeah, Lucas has a line. Have you compared the popularity of Rex? Uh, yeah, of, of teenage Rex Manning fans with the incidents of homosexuality among teenage males, which yeah, that honks makes you kind of <laughs> it's it's quite hard to watch now. Yeah, so so like there's a couple of '90s era jokes that just don't fly that would not fly by today's standards, uh, which is funny because um, we were talking about this a little bit off air, but um, um, uh, my wife and I went recently went and saw um, Weird Al Yankovic in concert. Uh, he was playing in London, um, an excellent concert. Um, Weird Al is, is a phenomenal talent. Um, and he has a, a line in one of his songs uh, called Albuquerque, uh, the, the classic, the seminal classic Albuquerque, um, where he, the line has got something to do with um, a, a hermaphrodite, uh, and it's used as a punchline. Um, and in concert, the, the song, the line runs. He, I can't remember the exact line, but the line runs. Then the song stops like someone took the needle off the record. Uh, the light changes so that he is in spotlight. And then he explains to the audience that he wrote that lyric in the 90s um, when that kind of humor was okay. Um, and he realizes now in the, the subsequent 30 years since that was written that that is not okay. That he, that joke is, it was, he never meant to, um, to, to, to demean anyone or to or to make belittle um and you know he appreciates now that that is wildly inappropriate mm. and not okay and then as if without skipping a beat the song starts back up again and it's a it's a great little interlude where he both makes manages to make a joke on a bad joke mm. but then apologize at the same time 
and I, 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 as a as a cis white heterosexual male, like I, I had no issue with that, um, and I, I don't know what the other what 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 a a person who might be affected by that joke's experience was. Were they there to hear it? But at least he owned it and and said you know, he didn't try to obscure it or change it or you know subvert the lyric. But you know it's it's great. And it, it's just a shame. But you're right. Yeah, in the '90s, calling something gay uh, as a derogative term was uh, was was wildly common. Mm. I know yeah. this is stating the obvious, but what a cool guy, Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's phenomenal. Classy he's, at he's, every um, turn, isn't he? He's a class act. Um, he's he's quite religious. Um, this is this is, is now not this is yeah this is now the Weird Al podcast. Um, the, the surprise, fools. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, he's quite religious. He um, all of it. He he made a choice to be really clean with his humor. Um, he he does he does um, he likes that silly juxtaposition style of humor, uh, where where he'll he'll do something wild um, and get big, and he'll have that non sequitur style you know joke change. Um, but then at the same time, like he's like from a songwriting point of view, he's actually he's actually really good. Um, yeah. And and he he does a lot like he, um, the concert we saw was none of the, it was there were no covers it was a little medley of covers at the very very end but it was all of his original songs uh, they're all very funny and they're all very poignant and um, uh, and I think it, to be able to mimic and to be able to write in the style of you know insert band here Nine Inch Nails or Rage Against the Machine um, shows talent and even like legit rappers who have heard have had him do covers of um, their songs even they are surprised at how well he flows and um, yeah. and how well he works as an artist and yeah he's a he's a phenomenal talent um uh, i have a lot of respect for yeah for weird al yankovic certainly colored my 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 taste in humor bill um, bill bailey's kind of in similar territory isn't he yeah he's actually like a musical savant he's absolutely he's so talented because he can play almost any instrument and um compose compose music and chooses to chooses to do it for for humor yeah uh jack black's a little bit the same mm. so like jack yep. black um i don't i don't like you know if jack black should ever listen to this you know i'm not i'm not trying to <laughs> fire fire shots at jack Black. i don't know how i don't know how well he writes but i know he i know if he puts himself to it he can actually come out with a decent song but i think i think he he tends to just be jack black about something and that's kind of funny enough for most people um but yeah, he, he's Jack Black's got a single at the moment because he's just done the voice of Bowser in the, uh, in the yeah. Mario in the Mario movie, and he's got a song in there, Peach, uh, where he's singing it about Princess Peach, and like that's a single now. So um, mm, right. Jack Black, everybody. Yeah. Um, so, so we should we should talk about what actually happens in this movie. Um, it's it's not a lot. <laughs> it shouldn't take long. So I, I think I. I'll, I'll, it's it's really quick, right? We could, we could do it real quick because I actually I had a couple of ideas of how we could we could they could have fixed this movie like thirty years on. Yeah, you know, the, the 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 kids of the kids are coming back to show you how you could have done a better film. Um, but so there's a bunch of there's a bunch of pretty young people um, who work at a record store, um, which include three actresses who would go on to be very it girls of their own over the next twenty years, um, including uh, the is it. Is it the the two time Academy Award winner Renee Zellweger, Renee Zellweger. or is it one time Academy Award winner uh, Award winner uh, Renee you're Zellweger? The Os- you're the Oscars guy. I think I think it could be two time Academy Award winner. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, also, I Robin Tunney. Um, you find that Robin Tunney and and Liv Tyler in in one of her earliest roles before she'd just be you know Aowen or whatever her name is from Lord of the Rings. Um, but yeah, uh, and beyond that, uh, Debbie Mazar as well. Um, mm. But the guys are less well represented. the the most The most enduring actor of this bunch would probably be Anthony Lapaglia, Lapaglia, mm. um, and then uh, Renee Zellweger was not nominated twice for uh, for Best Actress, Bridget Jones's Diary, in Chicago, and won Best Supporting Actress for Cold Mountain. Uh, I thought she won for. Um, uh, oh, what should I call it? She she does the biopic. <sighs> Not Cold Mountain. Um, Judy didn't she win for Judy? I thought she won for Judy. 
Clearly not. Don't know. Sorry, I, I ruined your flow. You were talking about the the uh, the dudes. The dudes. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting enough, Rory Cochrane, um, uh, who also turns up in Dazed and Confused, is probably who plays Lucas. He's probably the meant to be the 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 male lead. I guess I don't know. Um, it's a real en- well, ensemble picture. Lucas Lucas gets some pieces to camera. Um, so yeah, yeah he he's he, implied he to breaks be the, the fourth the wall, thing. doesn't he? He breaks the fourth yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Lucas steals the, the the float from the till and takes it to Vegas or to to Atlantic City, um, loses it all and comes back the next day and uh, has to explain to his boss Anthony Lapaglia Joe, um, who who appears to be a cool guy who who now owns or runs a record store, uh, r- runs a record store. He doesn't own it, um, and. Uh, between them they spend the rest of the day fretting about how they're going to find the two thousand dollars to get that back into the till before corporate comes along and and sells them down river um Mm. and that's basically the film (laughs) oh uh, and rex manning turns up Liv tyler has a huge crush on rex manning um and and decides on rex manning day that she's going to throw herself at rex manning uh he does not reciprocate uh, her um, her uh, advances in a, in a manner that she finds conducive to romantic engagement. Uh, so Renee Zellweger turns up and and uh, sleeps with him instead. The end. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have a big bust up. They um, do. They have a bust up. She does it very. She does it very publicly. They walk out. They do it in the. They do it in a back office of the back office. Yes. But they walk out into the the main back office, and everybody is there when they walk out. Um, they're not. They're not trying to hide what they what they've just done uh, in any way. Well, Rex Manning certainly isn't. No, no. They're they're all pleased enough about it. Uh, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a scuffle, and uh, they get they get close to actually introducing a theme uh, in the in the movie, which is about about being honest and open about who you are, and the distinction between Renee Zellweger, who is, I guess, more of what you would call a a, a slut. She sleeps around. Um, Liv Tyler. Is, she's she's sexually liberated. Yeah. Don't, don't shame her. No, yeah. no. I, I I'm using 1995 terminology, <laughs> Craig. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Um, um, yeah. She's just where, in charge. She's just in charge of who she is and what yeah. she does. And Liv, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Liv but. Tyler's. Liv Tyler has. So, so she's intending to throw herself at Rex Manning as her first sexual encounter. Yeah. Um, uh, she's also absolutely buttoned down, um, despite the fact she wears a midriff top and a miniskirt the entire film. Uh, she's absolutely ratcheted down tight. She's just yeah. meant to be this really studious, I'm going to a fancy school kind of girl. Um, but the costuming does not, and ca- the casting and the costuming does not reflect that. No. So they're trying to, I think, th- th- so that's what they're going to. And it, it's it's pretty it's pretty by the book alt, you know, alternative movie, post-grunge alternative movie theming around being honest to to your, being true to yourself, being honest about who you are, being real. Uh, mm. Everyone was real inverted, in the 90s. Inverted commas are yeah. very important to be real. Um, where yeah. where you, she's Liv Tyler's character, you know, is is presented as this the kind of perfect girl, but she's not real because she's taking uh, amphetamines to help her get good grades. Um, but yes, yeah, <laughs> she's taking the wrong drug. <laughs> they 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 really don't make that work and it's it's partly the casting you're right they they cast too there's only a, a very uh, very sideways mention of it in the first scene where they're driving to work together Liv Tyler's and Renelle Zellweger's characters Corey and um Gina are their names um yeah and and Liv Tyler you know she's holding this Rex Manning record and she's saying I'm gonna offer myself to him today and she she gives this very chaste kiss um to the to to his face on the cover of this record and gina grabs it off her and says no no you do it like this and she's like rolling her tongue around it that's as much as you get about how how gina is gina is as you say sexually liberated and um corey is not they they really don't sell that enough and the payoff is the payoff is just not there at all uh, when they come to they come to the scene and the scene comes off just wildly overblown where they're, they're going for a low point type scene where everybody's angry and frustrated and and Gina's thro- tossing these pills at um, 
Corey. Uh, Corey. Uh, and, and, you know, this is for your perfect life. This is for your perfect body. Gina has a perfect body. She looks, she looks absolutely great. Yeah, um, she's she's dropped dead. Yeah. It doesn't really it doesn't really pay off. And and also they've had they've had Corey uh, in yeah. this in a very revealing outfit, um, and and not in a way that gives you the sense that she's dressing up that Chased. way, just differently yeah. from that hemline needs to be about six inches longer. Yeah, it's, yeah. and so there there is almost nothing to set up that scene when when they try and pay it off with this this big cathartic kind of um it's it's all gone wrong and then so and then from there they try and pick it back up and they try and put things back together with um um deborah who is uh, again an alt alt kind of world she's she's what you'd consider the gothy type woe is me she's not really gothy um, in, yeah, in they, they weren't style, game enough. But, but if they if they'd been slightly more game, she would have been goth. Yeah, but, but she's 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 having a bit of a woe is me type crisis. She's presented. She's got strapping around her wrists. The very first thing she does when she walks into the store is shave her head, um, yep. which is seen as a very um, yeah dramatic statement by the standards of the time. It's the actress, uh, the actress uh, uh, Robin Tunney, seemingly does that. Um, to camera does that yeah. in, in shot like she is she is cutting her hair with a pair of clippers yeah. uh, first thing I thought about that was like wow what a cool place to work they have hair clippers right there in the back yeah yeah, yeah. she just leaves the I've, leaves I've never worked hair. anywhere that has hair clippers <laughs> in the back um so so she, you know she has a they have a, a kind of redeem, redemptive moment as they try and build the tone of the movie back up where she's nursing Corey back to back to calmness um and then I forget how Corey and Gina are actually... Oh, they have the faux funeral. So Corey, in turn, um, holds like a faux funeral for Gina where um, they all get together get together and say nice things about Gina. Um, uh, no, not about Gina, about Deb. And that becomes kind of a redemptive moment um, for... Yeah, for for both of them, and then that's interrupted by Warren, who has been taken away by the police. They're not they're not going to throw him in jail. He's too young, but he comes back um, with a with a gun. It turns out that the gun has um, is filled with blanks. It doesn't have any um, yeah, it doesn't have real bullets. But he's firing this gun, and um, yeah, it seems like quite a tense moment. Um, uh, in, in response to that, Lucas comes out and um, he confronts uh, Warren um, by revealing that he, you know, he himself, Lucas, was, you know, he was on a he was on a bad path when Joe took him in and gave him this job, um, and that even though he's still not great, uh, Joe treats him well, um, and that makes him feel good about himself and um um uh in turn joe he winds up offering warren a job um to you know to, to kind of try and redeem warren's life as well so they they wrap this all up and it's only, only when they've actually finished it's kind of a fu- funny way of pacing the movie it's only when they've finished all this catharsis that they actually start the story of the movie which is them gathering up the money hosting trying to get trying this, to get the two thousand dollars hosting this event to gather up the money to pay to for joe to buy the store um from the owner um to, to prevent the owner from selling it to this franchise and it, it seems to be like to be such an inconsequential amount of money too like surely they could have just gone down to the local bank and got a loan for that um and the, the whole thing is just like are you fucking kidding right now? Like it, it took you, it took you the whole film to get to this point to have this cathartic moment where we've got Renee, like um, who seemingly doesn't have anything else going for her other than like being, you know, a little bit sexually liberated. But then like, oh, she can sing. Okay, and now she's singing with this band. Okay, cool. So she's got a, yeah. she's got a what's happening next moment. Whereas Corey's going off to university and uh, Lucas, who uh, is 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 a wannabe art. Is it Lucas? No, it's the other one. Um, it's uh, the one of the AJ. other pretty boys. AJ, um, where AJ is going to go and be an artist or go to art school near her because she's going to go to some fancy college, I think. Um, yeah, she's going to Harvard so, like, or something. Harvard or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, don't feel too bad for Corey. She's her parents have clearly got money. I don't know why they're, 
I don't know why they're making her go to work on 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 the weekends at a record store. <laughs> uh, if your parents can afford to send you to Harvard, uh, your money is not your problem. I guess it's maybe um, it's maybe it's character building. It's part of her. Uh... You know, part of the part of the <laughs> yeah that's character building that everyone needs working in a record store but yeah um i, I don't know it, it it so you wind up in the situation with this where the stakes are meant to be so high but you wind up in the situation where the stakes like when you went upon reflection the stakes the stakes were never really that high like it's really not that not that huge a sum of money um surely like I, th- I think they have a moment where they they pass the hat around they're like oh we can we can contribute this much we're buying into our future because they don't want to become the the chain record store they, they want to remain uh, uh empire records that, it's funny <laughs> you say that by standards of 1995 that was all you needed as the stakes we are going to be privatized we are going to be corporatized <laughs> oh my god there is yeah. no, there's a media coming to earth man there is there was i don't think you can overstate how significantly in 1995 something being sure. something being corporatized now it's now was, was it's the just end of accepted the right now you have and now I, it's accepted and i still yeah. i still find this won. hard that katie perry can katie perry can literally make a song for an ad like advertising a thing advertising menu log and and then go out and play a concert and people will go to that concert i was i was 13 in 1995 this is my this is this is where i live and this is where this is where all my my you know values were formed and and but people will people will still take her seriously as an artist even though they have seen her dressed like as a pie (laughs) 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 it's just it, it blows my mind this this Bill, movie Bill this movie is where my where my values lie and i can i, I right. live with that of oh, corporatized oh sh- no kill me <laughs> that's bill, bill bill hicks has a has a joke about how if you if you do an ad for anything um you you're you're effectively signing off as being a creative person for all time um and so if you like if you're a he says he understands if you're a young and up and coming hungry and, and and just looking for work like that's fine but if you're if you're a, a already established actor like you don't need the money you're being greedy like why are you doing an ad for anything but then he 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 uh he the punchline is but um except for willie nelson because after the irs got done with him, <laughs> willie was feeling a little looser than some <laughs> and he needs your help <laughs> So if he's out there selling Taco Bell, just just give <laughs> Willie a pass. <laughs> yeah, Bill. Yeah, Bill Hicks. If you need to know anything about the, val- the what the values were in the early nineties, uh, <laughs> Bill Hicks is Bill where Hicks it's at. was the he was the barometer. <laughs> yeah, Bill Hicks. Like um, uh, a mutual friend of ours got me onto Bill Hicks, um, and Bill Hicks basically shaped my opinion on politics. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and shaped. Uh, although um, I, I've I've come I've come away from Bill Hicks's uh, penchant to um, believe in conspiracy theories about the JFK assassination. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> I went to Dallas. He's he's the he's the arbiter of um, of, of morality of, of in the nineties of, of liberal absolutely. liberal liberal morality in the in the, in the, in the 90s, early nineties. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Hicks taught me everything I need to know about American politics, basically. Yeah, yeah spot on. <laughs> um, oh, what else? I mean, we haven't talked much about um, um, any of the men. We haven't talked much about AJ or Joe. I mean, or... they're all pretty. They're all pretty interchangeable. I think the the best of the bunches is Lucas. He's this savant, cool cat, sixties throwback in a turtleneck um, with a. I don't even know what you'd call that hairstyle, but it's like a like a Caesar, but not. Um, uh, he's he's wildly efficient at his job and wildly competent. Yeah. Uh, he chases down the shoplifter like he was the fucking Terminator. Um, yeah, he's, and, he's he's like yeah he's he's three steps ahead of everyone else, isn't he? He's that yeah. sort of thing. He's on the next page. He's, on, yeah. he's, he's not so much three steps ahead. He's finished. He's he's already. He's got the car running. He's about to go to McDonald's, yep. Um, yep. and he's telling, he's asking for your order. <laughs> he's so far ahead of where you're at. <laughs> Wait, and surprise, he doesn't need to know your order. He knows yeah. your order. Um, so uh, yeah, he's 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 ahead of the game. Um, and 
I think I said it earlier, Anthony Anthony um, LaPaglia, Joe Reeves, uh, he's he's obviously a, a cool guy who um, gave up fighting at some point and mm. ended up being the manager of a record store, mm. which I, I think for, for many people in the 90s would have been like the ultimate career goal, right? Like, I just want to manage mm. a record store. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, uh, other one- boy, are they going to be disappointed with Amazon turned out <laughs> in town. Other one we haven't talked about. Well, it was... Um, Oh, what did you, what, what did you use to download things? The Pirate Bay. Oh uh, no, LimeWire. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> LimeWire on dial-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I work. I'm I'm an IT person, right? I, I worked in technology my whole life. Uh, we were we were we were Trey cool because we were hip to MP3 about three years before it made the papers, um, and I, I rem- definitely remember a time when you could quite easily just look up the name of the song you wanted dot mp3 and just download it straight off the web um uh, or it would be shared in irc chat rooms uh, uh between between well-meaning um friends it's how i it's how i came to be interested in nine inch nails um interestingly um because uh people would would share nine inch nail mp3s that they had ripped from their cds um uh so yeah for a long time there people would would it types would yeah would meet up and would trade their mp3 collections oh, that was um, and that was i remember it it was it was a good three years that was so that was like 96 yeah um late 95 early 96 yeah. uh, and uh i remember reading the first article in uh, a, a major paper and that was in 98 so um it was three years later so that's how far behind the times they were um, one of the, I mean, we'll wrap up, we'll wrap this up soon. One of the uh, character I want to talk about is Mark, who is in the core cast, um, but I, I guess he is there by, by what you would say is the comic relief at at the time. Uh, he's 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 way out there. He's he's there to be the, the he's the wacky he's the wacky, one. wacky one. Thank you. He's he's doing the doing outrageous things. Um, and, and yeah, anytime, again, if, if, if you've just had a dance sequence, but you still need to up the, up the tempo, um, they just put the camera on, Bring they in, just put the camera on Mark on Ethan and, and say, yeah, go, go on, be wacky, do, do something. Yeah. There's a, there's a real, um, Mork and Mindy type Robin Williams <laughs> feel about it. I eh? just, uh, we'll just, we'll just train the camera on you. You just, you just go. Yeah. Man. What just, is he doing anything fun? Just, Let's do it. Just, um, <laughs> just do your thing. <laughs> insert stick here yeah. um yeah um yeah so so i i see why this film's a cult classic because uh for for a bunch of people in the 90s this would have been a real a touchstone film for them because it was it had a, a, a listening to the soundtrack now there's there's a lot of uh seminal 90s tracks that all feature in this film so you you would have an emotional connection to this film based on the music alone um it's definitely got a the look and feel of this film is fantastic like it has a genuinely good look and feel that the the texture of the film is is phenomenal however the story is just all over the show and i have i have a theory about it because i read that the the film was originally meant to take place over two days um and in in editing um it made it down into one day so there's a bunch which is which is wild because i don't think anyone's co- uh, costume changes uh, so maybe it was back when the script, maybe in the script, it was two days, the original script, it was two days. And during the editing process, it made it down mm. to one day because there's no costume change. Um, but two, it feels like there was, um, again, it feels like there might've been some um, studio interference here or, or some studio directives to push the soundtrack because m- movie studios aren't stupid. Uh, they know how to make money. That's what they're good at. Um, and making movies is a byproduct of making money for movie studios, uh, certainly of this era. Um, and so I, I kind of get the feeling like it was like, push the soundtrack. We need to push as many of these songs into the film as we can get. If the film's successful, we could possibly even do a second soundtrack. Um, and this is based on the idea, like you had films like uh, American Graffiti, Dazed and Confused, mm. which were heavily, uh, th- those films were almost um, as remembered for their soundtracks as they are for the films themselves. Both films had hugely successful soundtracks based on popular tunes at the time that were played diegetically in the film. Mm. Um, yes, I use the word diegetically. Um, so nailed it. Uh, nailed it. Um, I, I suspect strongly that this film was, was that there was a push to make this film the way it was. Um, 
I think I think he could make some real subtle, cha- some subtle and not so subtle changes. One, Liv Tyler, fantastic, but wrong in this part, um, or or wrong in I think actually actually I think Liv Tyler is kind of okay in this part because she does that sort of girl next door thing, uh, regardless of how gorgeous she actually is. But uh, some costume changes and and some changes to some dialogue around the part there to to make her a bit more chaste, to make mm. her a bit more homely, would have gone a long way. Um, I think you need to push that climax, um, that that defining moment with the Rex Manning further into the into the um, uh, the third act rather than at the end of the second mm. act, so that that becomes the that becomes the the, the climax of her um, uh, of her working out that this isn't what she wants. Yeah. Um, it it needs to come when when the film is when the, the what they're trying to do is underway because it needs to undermine that. How are they going to make the money to save the record store now? They've, they've got That's their right. plan, but everything is derailed. They all need to work together to make this thing a success, but now all their relationships are derailed. But it just comes, all of their, it comes with... No, they've got no plan at the time. They're already, they're yeah. already fucked because they've got no money. Yeah. Um, Joe's, no Joe's money. given the, the, the boss uh, a, a bag, a sealed bag full of scrap paper. Mm-hmm. They're all, yeah they've and they've got no plan so it doesn't they've really, no it doesn't really they've bought, matter they've bought time there's no, yeah. nothing is then, derailed um you bring you bring the um the plan of the band uh further uh towards the the um the end of the the beginning of the second yeah. act so that that plan to action so you go i know a band and we can get them here by tonight okay and then that sets in motion those actions yeah uh, where various of those cast members can then be set about whilst de- uh, whilst dealing with their day-to-day also about trying to get all the bits and pieces for this band to come and play on the roof a la the Beatles and also trying to get the word out at the time. I think he needs to introduce a, a, a new character, which is at the radio station. We have, we have some character that they're calling out to constantly um, where you can have a, a Robin Williams-style character come in and be the wacky radio DJ. Um, or, or even better, they could have an in-store radio DJ, um, which they broadcast locally. Um, so you could have some element like that, Ooh, where, like you're, that. where you're broadcasting out, where, where, where on occasion someone would flip the switch and you would hear the music in-store and then you'd have those dance scenes rather than people just coming over and record-dropping or needle-dropping, I think is, yeah. is the term. Um, and then ultimately, that's how that film pans out. Um, you have the Rex Manning thing in store. Um, you could you could possibly tie up Rex Manning and the store manager in some nefarious deed where where ultimately Rex Manning screws over the the store manager, uh, and that that kind of solves your two thousand dollar problem. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I kept waiting for something for for something more tangential to happen there with the Rex Manning character, but ultimately he's he's a nothing burger character despite the fact that they've made all this noise about him throughout the entire film. yeah there's there's an opportunity for forces of evil kind of working together there to, to be overcome but yeah rex rex is only appearing at the store seemingly through um the agent and the agent's prior uh connection to joe because um, yeah. which is debbie mazar who she she has some kind of a an attraction to to joe um which which comes comes to fruition at the end it's got to be the, the hair that's that's got to be the. It's got to be the hair. Be the it's a, a luscious kind head of, of attraction. Hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like you know. I, I would kill to have Anthony Lapaglia here. Oh man. But, yeah, wouldn't we all? Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this, Anthony, glorious head of hair. Um, but yeah, so the whole th- like, there's there's just a couple of things here. I, would that have would that have destroyed the film? Would it have made it better? Uh, who knows? But. Um, I, I, I think the film in its current state and the state that it exists, it, it's, it's not a good movie. <laughs> 50, 58 minutes. To to well, we spoiled it at the beginning. You were like, yeah, we, we did. Minute this podcast Surprise. started, you're like, this is garbage. Surprise. Not good. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> movie was shit. Um, Look, I don't think it was completely shit. Uh, again, uh, and then ultimately, sorry, just just to just to absolutely hammer it home, that scene on the on the curb between um, uh, Ethan Embry and, and whoever it was he was talking to, um, that scene, you need more of that scene. You need you need that scene throughout. You need to sell that these people 
love working at a record store because seemingly the record store for all of them is just the jumping off point to the next part of your life which is great like fine whatever high fidelity like you said that that's probably more reflective of of a record store where you yeah. have absolute music nerds maybe maybe um, that's pushing their absolute maybe that's why with this record genre maybe right? that's why this record store is failing so badly because he has about a hundred <laughs> people working there on the payroll <laughs> <laughs> like you can get rid of half those fire, people they're not doing anything fire some of these kids they're not doing shit <laughs> it's it's a huge fucking property you do not need that much property for that size record store you could like you could halve your rent and move to a smaller property let i'm just saying like from a business point of view there's some things seriously going wrong and okay may, maybe again maybe that's where they were actually where they're actually wanting to go and it's just not quite told well enough because joe does genuinely care for these people he, he, got, he has a scene with deb where he is showing genuine care and a genuine attempt to make her feel all right there's a paternal paternal thing with all of these kids and and maybe that is what they're trying to get at which is that, that it's actually joe's and certainly directly with lucas it is actually the fact that he he believes in the kids and that's actually that's what he is that's what he is doing it all for to give these kids yeah. meaningful work a place to be to try and give them a place to be and try and give them a try and set them on the course to to a, a good life a successful life and and that that well, results I, I, in failure I, because he, because his payroll yeah. costs are through the roof So he, he's giving a socialism, he's giving a crash course in socialism, yeah. like in non-profits. <laughs> hey kids, we, we just want to break even, that way yeah. we can all go home and, yeah. and, and pay the rent and keep the lights on and, and, and people can have a good time on the weekend. You can, you can all... can run his classic motorcycle. You can all succeed as, as individuals and then we would... <laughs> the only downside is we fail as a group. <laughs> yep. Uh, the other thing I, I haven't mentioned, uh, but I probably should mention, this is a very white movie yep yeah i it was the 90s folks uh they they had different standards i, I cannot think of a single person of color who says a no. line in this movie no no i think there's some background acts i think there's some background but there, there's no one some, with a there line. might be some extras i don't think anybody speaks who is not white no it's a very white movie yeah yep Oh well, 90, the nineties, yeah, nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety-five. Listen, Friends. Yeah, right. Friends is you know racial diversity is having an Italian American. So yeah, <laughs> racial, racial, uh, yeah, and and two Jewish characters. Racial diversity. <laughs> All right, uh, very good. We should wrap this up. Um, Look, are we are we are we ruling? I th I think we're I think we've already ruled it. I think we ruled it in the first second. Oh this yeah, this, this is wallowing, wallowing in mediocrity. Wallowing in mediocrity. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, it's it's, 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 it's fun. Like even 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 by the standard of how well it achieves what it's it's not tr it's not trying to win best picture. It's trying to be a fun. It's trying to be a fun teen movie in the vein, as you said, of Dazed and Confused, um, which is which is solid I, we watched i came away from this and my wife and i watched dazed and confused and we watched american graffiti because they're the same film they all take place in a single day they um they all take place there's a, a heavy soundtrack dazed and confused is definitely trying to be american graffiti more than um empire records is trying to yeah. be dazed and confused yeah. um, um uh, but yeah definitely those those two films uh, in particular dazed and confused is a, is an excellent movie and it's yeah. extraordinarily well put together um this this does not have the directorial uh, richard linklater um you know i think with a stronger director um we're directed by alan moyle here um and written by carol um um Heikinen. um so i think like perhaps with a stronger creative team behind the scenes this could have been a different film uh but I think the elements for a great film, for, for, for a decent film are here, but they're not. Yeah. It, it doesn't succeed. And Ethan Embry, uh, later this year or, or earlier, basically at the same time, would go on to star in Can't Hardly Wait, which is a, another teen film yep. set in the 90s with a strong soundtrack, an ensemble cast. That is an excellent movie. Mm. Um, and um, that succeeds very well at what it's trying to do um but yeah this this movie isn't that breakfast breakfast club is my touchstone in that sort of vein and and that also that is, also has the same same theme about 
about being honest about take place being in honest a about day. yourself and not not yeah. judging not judging others not not putting others in a box being re- growing being, a little bit yeah being real um yeah being real as individuals the 90s yeah everything was about being real in the 90s yeah um yeah yeah all right hey um, i think this is like don't get me wrong like this is a shit film but i had a great time watching it uh, i know that's i know that's a that's an oxymoron right there but um <laughs> Uh, and it's fine it's fine to watch a movie and not like it but enjoy watching it <laughs> yeah that is that is possible that is possible i mean it's like it's uh, i mean for 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 us uh, this is this, the nostalgia element right this is these are this is the type of movie that we yeah with. yeah i guess so i i'm a little bit older than mike um and i i think by the time I had watched this. I I was already spending my Friday nights alone watching movies from the video store. You know, uh, ten for five dollars or whatever it was that I was, or five for ten dollars, whatever I could get at the video store. So you must have done a you uh, must I have think, done a gig at a music, at a at a video store or something, did you? What was your first? I did not. I, I think I definitely kept a video store in 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 um in operation <laughs> long past its due by date. But I famously got I famously got a trespass from a video store. Um, <laughs> oh man let's not let's not start on that we've already gone over there. that's hour. a story for another night uh but yeah uh yeah def- definitely um definitely watched way too many movies yeah. but um yeah all right we're gonna wrap that up well, uh, thank you very much for listening we'll be back um uh yeah we'll be back and it's real in soon month, i should think so. yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll try, we've been a bit slack trying to get on we'll try to get it on a bit sooner um and get these yeah, get these out a bit more on the rig um, but if you've got a if you've got a recommendation if you've got a movie you want to uh, want us to talk about um, then hit us up on the socials um, do all of Twitter. the do all of the liking and the subscribing subscribing and, uh, all yeah. of that jazz and um, yeah we'll we'll see you again next time thanks you very much for listening well thank you very much for listening Mike <laughs> 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 all right thanks folks. <laughs>